The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello and welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Are you excited yet, Gooners? Well, you should be. Another fine attacking performance at a rocking Emirates and three more points and joint top of the league with Manchester City. Essentially, the polar opposite of the start last season. What's changed? Well, let's ask our guests this week. It's Adrian Clark and Art de Roche. Morning. Morning, guys. Good morning. Morning. Nice to see you. Uh, now... Before we talk about the game at the weekend, uh, the Arsenal boys to celebrate after Palace last week. They had a, they had a barbecue uh, with paella and various other uh, treats. Uh, I don't know if there was any alcohol. It just doesn't matter. It seems to be working. And uh, and then they went to uh, Champneys, the very posh and rather expensive spa uh, on Wednesday uh, for various spa treatments. So we thought we'd ask uh, uh, what... Do you think, what spa treatment do you think uh, a particular player would, or person involved in the club would get? I did notice, by the way, Adrian, they had a hot poultice massage, essentially sucks the poison out. So I thought Mikel Arteta, because uh, he essentially, essentially what he's done, watching All or Nothing, uh, particularly episode five, he has sucked the poison out, hasn't he, of the Arsenal. It genuinely <laughs> feels that way. So a uh, hot nice. poultice massage <laughs> for Mikel wow. Arteta. Okay. What you got, Adrian? What you got? Uh, well, what, what I will say is that going to the spa for a, for a day out will have gone down much better now in 2022 than it would have done in 1995. The Tuesday club wouldn't have gone to spa for a day out, would they? I'm just imagining Ray Parler. Smoothie, what's that? I mean, I mean, yeah, we were, yeah. The, the metrosexuals were few and far between back then. I remember going on the tour of China. And David Dean said, "Right, we're in China. Who wants to go and visit the Great Wall of China?" Hands up. And there's no one put their hand up. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, nah, it's all right. We're just, we're just going to, yeah, just have a things few have beers. Changed. That's all right. Yeah. yeah, things yeah have changed. But, um, this, all this seems a little bit like avoidance, Adrian, to be honest. This, <laughs> this stuff. You don't particularly well, want to about, uh, talk about smile treatments of particular players. No, what I would love to have given to the whole squad, not just uh, not just one player, although Bukayo Saka I'd pick out, but the whole squad... I'd give them the anti-aging facial because I don't yes. want them to grow old. I want <laughs> no. them to stay as they are. I love them as they are. Um, so, yeah, the anti-aging facial for the whole lot of them would be, yeah, just perfect, I reckon. <laughs> What's happened to this podcast? Oh, what have you got for us? <laughs> so, um, I'm actually, I don't think I'm going to go for a player or one of the staff. Yeah. I'm going to gift something to the fans. Nice. Um, mostly the ones that were at the Emirates and will be. I'm going to go for the unique PT. So that says to tone slim and boost your mood in a fun and controlled environment. I like it. And I feel like um, at the minute, the Emirates is a very fun and controlled environment, especially with the way um, the Ashburton Army are going on. So hopefully that that can fit into the kind of 
guidelines of this this opener. I don't think there's many guidelines to be honest. I, I, although I do like the fact that, it, that after the the Champney's unique you by the way's YOU unique PT tone slim and boost your mood in a fun and controlled environment. In bold, it then says energize, and I think we can all appreciate that at the moment from the. Uh, I hope they're paying screen. us some money for this. Yeah, great advert this, isn't it? Champneys get in touch. We, listen, we'll take we'll take the payment in spa treatments. I would love yeah, I would love yeah, a radiance yeah. renewal personally. You know. Uh, anyway. If you're into your tactics and football analytics and you're looking for a deeper understanding of the game, you can join me, Ali Maxwell, along with Michael Cox and the rest of the Athletics data team for our football tactics podcast. Find new episodes every week on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Arsenal for Leicester City 2. Jesus has arrived, uh, or Jesus has arrived. I read Art's piece this morning. Um, Art, those days last season, we were saying, uh, and Amy was on the show saying, where are the goals coming from? I mean, he's an enormous part of the reason why it's all changed, isn't he? Massive. I think last season, we obviously saw, I guess, the midfield and the wingers stepped up for goals when... Lacazette and Aubameyang weren't in form or weren't in goal-scoring form. But I think immediately from pre-season, you just saw the impact that Jesus could have, not just because of his finishing, but also, I think, because he plays so quickly in that final third, whether it's a pass or a shot, I just think he's really added another kind of dimension to the attack straight away. And um, yeah, that first goal in particular... I think if that was last season, Arsenal don't score a goal there. I think last year they struggled so much when teams just packed a box, whereas Jesus just saw not even a half chance and he took it. And I think that's something where to get to, I guess, another another level, you need to have those people who are killers in, in your front line. And yeah. it's it's nice to see that they have one with Jesus. Adrian, I mean, what Art said there is right. If that was last season, we don't score a goal. If that was last season, we don't actually make a chance there, do we? I mean, I don't think Lacazette chases that down. I don't think he manages to turn quickly enough and get the ball inside. There's all sorts of different aspects to that goal that our forwards last year could not do. I I think so, yeah. And this is why Jesus is the perfect striker for Mikel Arteta, because of his mobility, as well as the speed that he plays at. And Art's just touched on that. Rightly so. But it's also the, the movement. He he peels out to the left wing, doesn't he? And, and, and um, it allows Martinelli to, to come in field. Uh, Granit Xhaka playing in this new, much more adventurous role, pushes on into the box. And between them, they, they manufacture a chance by playing confident one and two touch football inside the box. I mean, it was, it was so good to watch. Even the touch from Jesus. But forget about the chip, which was just glorious. Little deft sort of pitching wedge wasn't it inside the area the touch with his studs 
to roll it under his feet, to get to get the ball in the right position, to to actually get the shot away was absolute class as well. So, yeah, it was it was great to watch. I was in the clock end, and, and I had a perfect view of the of the whole move, and and seeing the movement of those guys of where the striker will pull out to the wing, Martelli will come in field, and then we saw it with Zinchenko and and Xhaka switching positions all of the time. Leicester City, I, I was confused watching it. Leicester City's <laughs> yeah. midfielders and defenders, they were absolutely befuddled by Arsenal's interchanging of positions. It, it was wonderful to see. Is this um, is this a sort of Guardiola influence to a certain extent? Because I do see the imprint of Man City uh, on it. Or do you think that Arteta has taken it and maybe developed, he's developed his own style a little bit? Or am I being a bit unfair on Mikel Arteta? I personally, I guess you could see some Guardiola-isms. <laughs> uh, we'll go with that um, yeah. with with Zinchenko in particular. But personally, I, I saw more, and I know I've banged on about this for ages, I saw more early Emirates-era Arsenal Yes, with how the combination play in particular on that left-hand side with uh, Zinchenko... Martinelli and Jesus and Erdegaard got involved a few times as well. Well, for the one that Jesus, the one that Jesus yeah. saved, that I mean, you, that you highlighted that one, and that was really a beautiful bit of interplay. And suddenly Jesus is in, and yeah. and that was a little bit more like Arsene Wenger. I agree. Yeah, and I think just being able to play at one touch so quickly and so accurately, as as Adrian said, Leicester couldn't handle it. Uh, Wesley Fofana in particular just couldn't get anywhere near Gabriel Martinelli for most of the game. And I feel like that is something where if you look at the attack last season, they definitely did kind of make improvements, but there were still times where they may look a little bit rigid, whereas now it looks a lot more fluid. And I think that is what an Arsenal team, whatever time it is, I think that's what an Arsenal team needs to strive for. So it's quite nice that we're actually seeing that now. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the, the, the that first goal in a minute because other plenty of people, Ars Blog, Abby, uh, our producer, quite a few others have described as uh, Bergkamp-esque and I think there was a little bit of Dennis in there. But we're fun to watch now, aren't we, Adrian? I mean, it's suddenly everything is lifted and, and like you say, that blur of movement is befuddling for, for opposition uh, players, but it's great to see us buzzing around the way that we are. It really is, and and but we can we've all seen it evolve, haven't we? Because at the start we saw the sort of fullbacks tucking in field that happened quite early on in the Arteta regime, but the football was just a little bit stuttery, wasn't it? It was a bit too rigid, and it felt like we weren't uh, causing enough problems for opposition teams because it was kind of predictable with our movements. It was, but it was a case of Arteta just putting ideas into their head, different patterns of play, and now it just comes naturally. And they've worked on it for so long and they've improved it with better players as we've gone along. Faster players, younger players, hungrier players that want to mix good athletic running power with the with the patterns of play. And all of a sudden, it's it's gelling very nicely indeed. It it does remind me of, of Arsene Wenger's football for sure. And I think that we've been we've been sort of crying out for that for a long, long time, haven't we? So yeah, yeah. really exciting. And and I, I love the just that I love the fight as well. I think there's a little bit more steel about this team at the moment as well. And that is the reason, and we're going to get onto the crowd later, I know, but that is the reason I think, or another reason, 
why the fans are so engaged with the team is because they also see a team that are willing to sort of roll up their sleeves and and fight it out against aggressive opponents. And to win football trophies, you have to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we will talk about uh, talk about the crowd. Uh, Mikel Arteta made a special point of talking about that after uh, William Saliba's own goal. But I want to carry on talking about Gabriel Jesus for a second. I mean, Adrian, as an ex-player, you must have had times when people would come into the dressing room and you think, oh, hello, he knows what he's about. Now, there's no doubt that Gabriel Jesus has walked into that dressing room and has elevated everyone around him. Yeah, yeah. My in my experience, the, the two standouts are really obvious. But I played in the first games of for Nicholas Anelka and and for Patrick Vieira, but both reserve games. Uh, first time they sort of put the shirt on, and yeah, like within twenty minutes, you knew that these guys were just on a different level, and and everything that they did, they made look easy, and 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 they did it quickly. And Jesus is very much the same, and he's doing that, of course, at the highest level in the Premier League. So, yeah, the, the players will be buzzing off of what Gabriel Jesus is, is producing. And they just can't... The diff, what, what, what will be happening now is they won't be dreading the next game. They, they literally can't wait for the next game where they can go out in front of their fans and excite them again with more of the same. And that is such a lovely place to be in football rather yeah. than maybe feeling anxious about, oh, are we going to get the points? What, how's this? Are we going to create enough chances? I think they now know we're going to create chances and that, that they've got a guy that's going to tuck them away. And yeah, it's a, it's a really good place to be. There'll be bumps in the road, but I think that, that the belief now is strong enough for us to sort of ride those out better than we have in the past. Last season, when we had a bad result or a bad turn in a match, when we went down, I think there was a lack of belief that we had the firepower to get back into it. Now... Not an issue. I think if we do go one 0 down, even two 0 down, I think we'll, the players will will have that that confidence that they can um, they can bounce back because of and, and Jesus has inspired that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not ignoring you, but I just want to uh, <laughs> ask uh, Adrian one more question. How rare is this feeling? This this idea about looking forward to going out and, and because obviously it's a highly pressurized situation and uh, and you know there's a lot riding on this on this sort of stuff but right now yeah. they seem to be having fun yeah it, it happens it happens at all levels doesn't it when you know the team is is flying you know you're scoring goals for for fun you just got to savor those moments because a whole it won't last like that for a whole season. No one's won't kidding it? themselves. You just it? no. Oh, I'm sorry, Stony. No, it's not going to. Buzzkill, Adrian Clark. I know. Just enjoy these hot streaks. Is my, is my message <laughs> to the fans as well? Because yeah, well, yeah we all know. We, we all know it's going to going. We're going to have a flat game here and there, but but it's it's not allowing one flat game to turn into two or three or four. Um, it's just it's it's having that ability, and Liverpool were good at this last year. Having that ability to to accept a setback, accept a bad half, even a bad game, but still retain the belief that what we did before during our hot streak will come straight back. And I yeah. think that's that's the message Arteta will be drilling into the players, and I think they'll be feeling it too. And Art, uh, in terms of Jesus and his role, I mean, obviously he's come to Arsenal. 
you know, Mikel Arteta has basically said to him, you are the main man. You lead this team. And 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 by the way, um, he is one of the leadership group. All, uh, David Ornstein has written a piece with James about the, the fact that Jesus is part of the senior leadership group along with Xhaka. But obviously, Jesus has come in. Arteta has said to him, you're the man. And it, some players respond really well to that sort of stuff. And so Jesus obviously has felt that. Uh, that love and decided, oh, this is great. This is what I want. But following on from our discussion last week about player roles, how has it evolved since his uh, since his time at City? I mean, he's more central to everything, isn't he? Really? Yeah. Just on that um, leadership stuff, I think his personality has really shone through since since he arrived. What maybe two months ago? I know speaking to a few people like around the younger players. They've said that he's been just as involved in making them feel included as, say, with first-team regulars. And I know that probably goes a long way for someone or all of the coaching staff and management group, probably, to see someone, I guess, the profile of Jesus take to those younger players so quickly. But in terms of his role on the pitch, I'm struggling to kind of list him in in one category i guess well, he's doing all to, of them isn't he yeah <laughs> similar to saka i think he's kind of got got his finger in in every kind of aspect of it where he can be that kind of fox in the box like he was for the first goal he can stretch a defense and pull into channels which he also did for the first goal but then i also feel like against palace he saw he can he can get the ball from deep and drive forward he can travel with the ball well but then also in the Leicester game, you saw he he can actually fight with centre-backs and actually impose himself quite well. I felt the way he dealt with Johnny Evans all game was was very good for someone who is five foot nine. <laughs> and I think... Well, that um, fight, that fight art that he had with him when, when uh, Rambo kicked the ball long and yeah. he controlled it with his head... And then he oh. and then he backed in to Johnny Evans, turned mm. him, and it was only really. I mean, I mean, the, the, indeed he got back, but I think the keeper made a great save there. To be honest, yeah. but that was a fantastic bit of forward play from someone who's only he's not a big guy. No, I think that was probably the most exciting part of the day, if I'm being honest, because yeah. no one was really expecting that to happen. Obviously, everyone knows how good Ramsdale is with his distribution, but to see Jesus actually take control of the situation and first initiate the contact with Evans and then put him on his backside. I think everyone in the stadium just kind of was like, wow, (laughs) what's just happened? Um, But um, I feel like in all aspects of play, he he's imposed himself and, and yeah, it's just really exciting to see. Hopefully it can continue. Um, And also just hopefully other players can feed off that as well. And almost anticipate what he's going to do next. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Adrian, uh, he had 55 touches in the game. I mean, it was sort of interesting Mm. to compare that to Erling Haaland from Man City, who had eight for his entire game. Mm. Obviously still incredibly effective. They won 4-0. They're not a bad team. Up against, incidentally, our next opponents in Bournemouth. But... What's I mean? What's the difference? I mean, I guess Haaland is just really a pure target man, isn't he? And and just stretches the play. Jesus is much more going out wide, much more involved in a deeper role as well. It's he's a very 
And he's an incredibly versatile striker, it seems to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't put a label on him. He can do the lot, can't he? And, and yeah, no one knows who's picking him up. I loved it when he was up against Evans in those 1v1s because you had to fancy him pace-wise, didn't you? And, oh, um, yes. And, and obviously, strength-wise, he, he, he rolled him quite beautifully, didn't he, in that, that moment you just discussed. Yeah, it was, yeah, he can do the lot. There's a few good stats. I mean, he had seven shots in the game, Gabriel Jesus, which is, is going some. I think that's pretty impressive. The most impressive stat that, that, that I found, really, from Jesus is that he had 15 touches in the box. Now, the next closest Arsenal player in a rip-roaring, attack-minded performance was four. Um, so 15 touches in the box and, and no one else could get more than four. Yeah. Put it around the Premier League. Jesus, in two matches, has had 26 touches inside the opposition box. The next closest player to him in the entire division is Kai Havertz on 17. So he's he's nine ahead of everybody else. I know Liverpool have got one more game to play at the time we're recording, but that's phenomenal. And it shows you that he's got amazing penetration. He's yeah. offered that. You know, I can't remember. I would say guys like Lacazette and Aubameyang were getting twos and threes maybe four touches inside the box. What he's doing, he's making, he's dribbling with the ball. He's taking it into the box. He's accepting he's passes in the box. He's yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he, he, he's an absolute monster in and around that box. And uh, yeah, the start couldn't have been better. No, it uh, certainly couldn't. And I like the fact that he asked to see the chances he missed at half time. This is a guy who wants to improve <laughs> as well. Uh, so yeah, very, very encouraging. Next to him, or, or out wide uh, of him, uh, Gabriel Martinelli uh, scored again, two goals in two games. I mean, I mean, we know how much. I remember how much uh, Jurgen Klopp admires him, talks about him every time Liverpool play uh, play him, and I and he, I think he, he wants him it. at some point. Although you know, Darwin Nunes seems to be doing okay for them as well. Um, this is the Martinelli we hoped for, wasn't it, Art? Yeah, I don't think there's ever been a time where Martinelli hasn't impressed. I feel like now you're just seeing probably he's got someone he can play off a lot more in Jesus. So he's probably a bit more, I guess, free in what he's doing. Playing, playing off instinct as well, I think, is a big thing for him. It's almost like the uh, Joga Bonita <laughs> adverts from uh, probably 20 years ago now, maybe 15 <laughs> years that Nike were doing. Um, yeah. But I feel like, yeah, you just see someone who, if if his first thought is to shoot, he's going to take the shot. He doesn't care. And I think that's what you need. You saw it for his goal, but um, I just feel like he's in a place where he'll just play off instinct and that's what Arsenal need going forward. I think especially when they do get those kind of setbacks like the goals on, on the weekend, you just need someone who doesn't really care about what's around them um, and just wants to have an impact on the game. I will be interested to see how, I guess, that relationship between him and Jesus develops over the course of the season. But as things stand, it seems like they, they've got a really good partnership Um together and yeah. also I, I just thought aside from his goals the way he played against Fofana especially like oh. on on the halfway line that yeah. little two touch thing he done he just looked sharp and and I think that that alongside playing with Zinchenko and Jesus on that side is is massive 
Yeah, I, they made a on, mistake, Adrian. Leicester. They made a mistake of getting <laughs> aggressive with him, didn't they? Early on, <laughs> Castagna and Fafana, they were coming from behind. They were saying, right, you're not turning. He loves it. He loves a scrap. Yeah, he does and and I think it. he just relished it. He was like, all right, then, if this is how it's <laughs> going to be, bring it on. And and I think it raised his game. Um, one other thing about Martinelli that I think has improved unbelievably is the quality of his crossing. Before, when he was marooned on the left and we played slower football, I felt he was too far away from the goal for a start and he couldn't impact, he couldn't get enough chances. But he would tuck inside and he'd just lay the ball off. What we're seeing now is he'll fire passes into a centre forward inside the box or he'll whip quality crosses into the area. What about his corners, guys? Yeah. I mean, for the goal, I know that Vard- we all laughed at Vardy with the assist there for Jesus Excellent. at the fast stick, but it's an un- it's an unplayable corner. Well, and sorry, sorry to cut you, Adrian, but um, he he actually was on corners last time that Arsenal played Leicester as well. Got an assist yeah. from a corner. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, oh, I didn't mean to cut it. you. I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He's, he, I'm not saying he's he's never been good at corners, but but I just feel that he's crossing full stop. Yeah, he's more confident now. He's he's whipping the ball in faster. Um, I said this on the show at the weekend. I said when you aim for the near post, and I was asked to do this a lot, you've got to put speed on the ball, but you've got to got to put it near the goal, and with that comes real risk because you're a you're whacking it, which takes a little bit of the accuracy sometimes, and uh, and two if it's near the goal line, it could go into the side netting, it could go out for a goal kick, and you look a real mug. So you've got to have great belief in your technique to do what he was doing. And he put two in a row in at that near post, absolutely on the money. And that is the sign of a player that's technically at the top of his game as well. Mikel Arteta said, this boy, Martinelli, the way he's developing so quickly is just incredible. It's his hunger, his character and desire to be better every single day and the ambition that he has to play this game. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be anything but excited uh, at the moment. couple of defensive issues. I mean, really, both the goals were down to us. But I think the interesting thing, Adrian, I'll come to you about this. Mm. When Saliba mm. scored that own goal and possibly uh, Ben White could have come in and maybe challenged on the first one, but Saliba had to do something and it was a slight, it was mm. unfortunate, and he edited it into his own goal. The way the crowd supported Saliba. You know, I mean, Mm. Mikel Arteta said, I think the crowd was special, especially after Saliba's own goal. The way they reacted was something I've never seen in football. Um, I've never seen anything like that either. And and you just thought, wow, there is a togetherness here that I have not seen at at Arsenal for quite some time. And I'm talking probably ever at the Emirates. Yeah, I think it was a really big moment. I do. Um, for, For Saliba and his relationship with the fans as well. They've taken to him, haven't they? Yeah. Very, very quickly. They want him to do well. Yeah, they want him to do well. And he's obviously had a setback there, scoring an own goal on his home Premier League debut. But I think the crowd were just so... They recognised that we don't want to bury this kid. We've got to to lift him. We've got to get him back. And and it was was brilliant, I thought, the, the response. And he was great after the... After that own goal as well, he he sort of raised his game, didn't let it affect him at all, and I think it can help make him stronger. I sort of referenced the first game of the sea, of the entire Premier League when Tony Adams uh, in that two four four two defeat to Norwich. I mean, I'm going back a bit here, but he tripped over his own feet. He, he, it was a calamitous yeah. mistake he made, and then you know a few years later he was he was lifting the lifting the Premier League title again, and, and we won the double, and he'd been brilliant. So. 
you know, you can always recover from these things. On that goal, I actually don't put too much blame on on Saliba. I think um, it was a case of Ben White. If you look at it, the, the ball's flighted up from the centre-half. Ben White loses the flight. He turns the wrong way. Oh, so he right. turns his back on the ball. So he loses his bearing. And uh, so he's nowhere near making the challenge. And the challenge flicks it. And basically, if Saliba's not there, uh, Jamie Vardy scores. It's as simple as that. So he had to get something on it. But because of the way it fell to him, it was very hard to crane his neck to get it off target. So I don't think there was anything that he could really have done. I think no. it, if you're looking for someone to blame, it's Ben White. But even that's quite tenuous. It, it, was, it was just an un- unlucky, unfortunate own goal, that one. And and uh, it was good to see Tommy Asu back on the pitch as well, by the way. But I just want to ask you uh, about the atmosphere. Uh, Mikel Arteta said, from the first minute, they were electric, the fans. You feel like they're totally with us, totally engaged, and it is so energising for the teams. Uh, for the team, the boys keep talking about it. They can't wait to play in front of this crowd, and it's making a huge difference. This is something we haven't had in a while. We talked about the clock end, the, the Ashburton lot, and the uh, and it, and it it really feels different to to anything I've 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 experienced for quite some time. Yeah, I'd say even before the first minute, so before kickoff, it was already very loud and I think last season obviously there were I guess improvements in terms of the atmosphere but I only really remember probably Man Spurs. City at home and Spurs. I wasn't I wasn't at Spurs unfortunately Spurs. but um Man City at home and Wolves at home were very good from start to finish Manchester United um, I felt as well that was the other one that was pretty good yeah and yesterday or Saturday I should say I just felt it was loud throughout the game even as you mentioned the Saliba moment interestingly actually Mikel Arteta spoke about it pre-match so on the Friday there was a little bit of chat about Saliba and he said that what he'd like to say to fans was just to protect the player when things go wrong um, so that he has the right environment to fulfill his potential so it's quite I guess fitting maybe the wrong word that it had to happen the day after literally um but it was good to see and i think just yeah throughout the game it was a noise that i, I just don't feel like we've heard at the emirates for a long time and one thing i would say about the ashburton army is now they've actually been moved closer to the pitch so beforehand they were like at the back of the clock end and yeah. now now they're right right at the side of the pitch and i think they they were really good in terms of just keeping that, that atmosphere going throughout the game. Yeah, there was no spare seats no. for starters. The upper tier often got a lot of lot of single empties or pairs and there weren't any. It was great. Um but yeah, the the Ashburton Army were beneath me in their sort of black T shirts and they were just at it. They were reminding me of the sort of foreign fans where they half of them aren't even looking at the game. They're just <laughs> all they're doing is whooping up the people around them. And, and singing non-stop. It was tremendous. They've got the worst seats in the ground, but they don't care because they're literally behind the net now. So they can't really see the game very well, <laughs> but they're there to create a noise and to spark everything else. And and I just love, I found myself like sort of looking at them during the game. You know, young guys, really young. It's the next generation of fans. And they're just dedicated to, to creating noise and supporting the team and the players. And it was... Really good, really good to see, really empowering. And I think it will get a lot of other younger fans wanting to go, wanting to be near them potentially in the in the ground to join in with the sing songs and 
and that will only help. So yeah, yeah, kudos to them. I got to the ground really early and the pubs were full. The Tollington was full. I came down Hornsey Road. There's the other pub that's on the on the junction there, and that's where the um the, the, the guys in the black t-shirts were, and they were singing singing non-stop then, and it wasn't even midday. So um yeah, it's quite remarkable how they kept it up. Um I don't know whether they got like <laughs> a rotor where, where you're on and young, off. Mate. <laughs> like, I just got, got bags like, of energy. They're all nineteen years old, for goodness sake. I reckon. I reckon <laughs> they must be half on, half off. Because you can't keep singing for like six hours non-stop. That's ridiculous. Tag team. It's a tag team type thing going on. Anyway, all power to their collective elbows because it seems to be working. Uh, joint top of the league with Man City. Uh, like I say, slightly different start to last season. This is handbreak off. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and Art De Roche. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. In case you didn't know, uh, we have gone to twice a week here at Handbrake Off. If you haven't listened to our second show from last week, then here's a little taster of what we got up to. What we thought we'd do is we'll have a game of mislin' tit or mislin' tat. If tat is the positive one. I think you'd have to put Terreira down as a tit. Tit or tat. (laughs) I feel it'd be a bit harsh to say he was a tit. Tit or tat. I think it's got to be a tit. Tit, essentially, is what we're saying. Tit. But really a massive tit. Tit. The tits win five to three. So good. That's what we're doing. That's doing. That's so mature. I know. It's part of the fun. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's all about uh, Sven uh, Mislin Tat. A tactical look at player roles for Saka and Xhaka and, of course, uh, Tony Adams on Strictly Come Dancing. So go and have a listen. Art, Nuno Tavares scored again. (laughs) He's going to get 20 goals a season from Marseille, isn't he? He's going to be banging them in from all angles, right-footed. To be fair, I think Marseille's looking like a decent kind of loan loan club for Arsenal at the minute when you look at how Saliba got on there last year. Obviously, Guendouzi's a slightly different story, but they've also actually taken Alexis Sanchez recently and Said Kolasinac. So it seems like Marseille's world Arsenal boys are linking up in France. Right. Well, I'm. you know what? I'm happy for all of them, uh, except Guendouzi, I think. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and Balogun scored for Reims. Um, uh, sorry, I say Reims. Do you know it's probably Reims? But anyway, uh, Balogun scored for them uh, in their 4-2 loss as well. And we'll keep an eye on him, Adrian, because, you know, this is a kid. I remember uh, talking to people where I play, that I play five-a-side with, talking about Balogun a year and a half ago and saying this kid is going to be something special. So he keeps scoring. They keep getting beat, by the way, but he keeps scoring. And this is encouraging, right? Yeah, definitely. Because he didn't score that often for Middlesbrough, did he? In that loan spell, he couldn't sort of nail down a position and he, he missed a few chances. He scored a few. And I think it was an, it was a so-so loan spell. But yeah, if he can be on fire for... Harem in uh, in, in Liga, and then he'll be yeah, he'll come back a better player. It wasn't that long ago that a lot of fans were saying, "Well, he he should leapfrog Eddie and Ketia in the in the pecking right. order," and and that all changed obviously when he didn't 
produce heroics for Middlesbrough and, and then Eddie came on strong at the end of last season. So it's funny how things can turn around. Look at Eddie now. We, we look at him as a really strong player to come off of the bench. And, you know, he's that few years ahead of Flo, isn't he? So, so yeah, in a couple of years of time, you know, Balogun can probably or hopefully be ready to take on that, that particular role. And poor old Flo, he ended up playing against uh, Brentford last season when we got beaten in the first game of the season. Although he probably watched them, uh, Brentford beat Manchester United uh, at the weekend. I think actually I came off not too bad. And can we just have a moment to appreciate the entertainment coming out of Old Trafford at the moment? It's absolutely oh, wonderful, so isn't funny. it? I mean, it is a joy yeah. to watch. Um, Ronaldo's <laughs> moody face and Harry Maguire almost crying. I genuinely, yeah. I, 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 it's so brilliant. They should stick it on. I'm up at the Edinburgh Festival at the moment. They should stick it on up here. Get five stars from every reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> it serves, it serves Lissandro Martinez right for for snubbing us for Man United. Him getting the hook at half time. Yeah, you know, that that will teach you. Yeah. Well, I mean, who plays someone who's five foot nine at centre centre half? I mean, unless you're Fabio Cannavaro, you're not going to be able to handle it, are you? Uh, talking to centre halves, Pablo Mari has gone to Monza on an obligation to buy if Monza stay up. Uh, we'll talk briefly about the academy uh, as well. Arsenal Academy beat West Ham 3-2 at the weekend. Marquinhos scored twice. Uh, Art, you saw him the week before when they played uh, Manchester United. Mikel Arteta uh, was there as well. Do you think there's um, a bit more of an alignment between the first team and the uh, and the and the kids, a bit like um, Arsene Wenger uh, used to have, than there maybe was in the Emery years? Yeah, I think it was evident last season as well. I think you saw... Basically, the way they were playing was very geared to how the first team set up, even though it wasn't totally the same in terms of the shape of the team and the formations or whatever. But speaking to Mehmet Ali, the new head coach this year, he said they're looking to play basically an aggressive 4-3-3. So be being imposing both with and without the ball. And I think Marquinhos so far has kind of <laughs> lived up to that. He's very strong. Um, for his size I think he isn't the tallest player ever but he's got very kind of broad shoulders likes to kind of go in and yeah engage contact but also be quite skillful when he's on the ball I think it's going to be interesting to see how I guess he's integrated into the first team properly whether that's going to be Europa League slash cup games because I think there are times where you see he is probably a level above under 21's football, but he's obviously not at the level of, say, Bukayo Saka in the first team. But across the board, I think the under 21's look in good shape. And one player I just want to give a mention to because he doesn't really get mentioned that often, Matt Smith in midfield. Obviously, I think most people kind of first took notice of him a couple of years ago when he was on the bench a few times in the FA Cup winning season. But I think he's 21 now, turns 22 in October. He's someone who you see is just really composed in midfield, almost just keeps things ticking and controls controls things in there for Arsenal. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he's another one where I feel like he's probably surpassed under 21's football now. So he's one I'm kind of looking at thinking, okay, what's going to happen with you now? But on the, on the whole, I think it's been a, a very good start to the season for those guys. Great, great. Uh, one other piece of news. Uh, Bukayo Saka has been nominated for the Copper Trophy as part of the Ballon d'Or 
whole sort of shenanigans. Uh, this is for the best player in the world who's under 21. Uh, he's the only Premier League nominee. Some of the other players involved, Jude Bellingham, he's pretty good, isn't he? Uh, Eduardo Camavinga, Jamal Musiala, who looked outstanding for Bayern Munich last year. Florian Wirtz for Bayer Leverkusen as well. And Gavi for Barcelona, who's just a wonderful footballer. Adrian, I mean, look, mm. we know how good Saka is. He's in great company and he deserves to be, right? Oh, yeah, he's, he's exactly where he deserves to be. No no question. He, he, just, he, he warrants a place on that list. And look, he scored 11 Premier League goals. I think seven assists as well last season. That's a pretty special output. You know, look at some of the other guys. They're similar or, or less, really, for their respective teams. They're all good players. I mean, Gavi looks a bit special. Bellingham, I'm a huge fan of. I think he's going to be an unbelievable player for, for England over the years. Musiala's... Fantastic. But yeah, Saka's got a chance. And it, isn't it nice for him that he is the only Premier League player that's that's on this list as well? It's, it shows you his stock in this division couldn't be any higher. Well, I watched, I've been, I started to watch, uh, watch All or Nothing. <laughs> I've succumbed. I watched the first one, which mm-hmm. I actually found quite upsetting. But the, the good bit about it was seeing Bukayo Saka and, and watching, you know, watching, essentially what we're doing is watching him grow up there really well you know through that Euros and for some reason Raheem Sterling senior pro didn't want to take a penalty but Bukayo Saka 19 steps up and takes a final penalty but anyway uh, that's uh, (laughs) ancient history now Um, I I mean obviously what I'm hoping for is a Saka to score the winning penalty in the World Cup in November or December or whenever it happens that would be a nice little that would be a nice little part of the story wouldn't it really one other thing you might have missed, Christopher Ray's son, also called Christopher, scored on his first start for South End of the weekend. Uh, at the weekend, which is nice. <laughs> he just looks a spitting image as well. He Does is, he? Looks very similar, yeah. Very good. similar. Good, good. Well, uh, that's encouraging, yeah. isn't it? Well, it, it, this kid, by the way, he, he's, he's, he's come from Banbury United, which is sort of a couple of divisions be, below South End, but he got 23 goals, 16 assists last season. He's... He's obviously got something about him, but he is twenty five. He's not. A, he's not a kid, so he's uh, a bit of a late, late bloomer. But yeah, I'm glad my former club have um, yeah turned to to Aguna's son. Good. Let's have a song before we go. Art, what have you got for us? All right, I'm finally going to actually have some reason <laughs> in in the song choice <laughs> this week. It's fairly self-explanatory. It's going to be Jesus Walks by Connie West, but we can call it Jesus Walks if we want. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Adrian, what <laughs> you got? Well, electric was the word that we've used, Mikel Arteta used. Um, so I picked a song from the Electric Light Orchestra, ELO, uh, Mr. Blue Sky, it because uh, it was very blue skies at the weekend. And uh, yeah, Jesus and co were, were definitely electric. But no longer sky blue, which is very nice for us. Um, uh, I will have, as I'm in Edinburgh, uh, I'm going to have the Proclaimers 500 miles because I personally would walk 500 miles (laughs) to watch my team at the moment. Um, Excellent. I'll dare you. I'll dare you. Do it. Go to Bournemouth. Walk to Bournemouth. That is about right. When I say I would, I absolutely wouldn't, of course. But that's what I feel like uh, at the moment. Uh, thanks to uh, Adrian Clark, thanks to Art de Rocher, thanks to Abby, our producer, and thank you, listener. Bournemouth 
next week. I think everybody is looking forward to it. I'm Ian Stone. Thanks very much for listening to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic.